episode of the New Craft House podcast is sponsored by Faf. We use Faf sewing machines in all of our sewing and in all of our workshops, and they really are the best of the best. With everything from beginner machines like the Smarter Range to the Ambition machines that we use in classes to the top of the range creative icon, Faf have something for every sewist. Megan Valero is the founder of Pigeon Wishes, a wholesale fabric company that probably supplies some of your favourite fabric shops. She's also a much-loved member of the sewing community. You might recognise her as a model of some of Tilly and the Buttons patterns, and she's been sharing her own makes on Instagram at Pigeon Wishes for years. Megan, her husband Frank and two-year-old son Olami recently made the huge decision to relocate to Liverpool during lockdown, and she's been busy re-establishing her business premises there over the past few weeks. So when did you actually go there, move up? How long's it been now? Um, we moved up about two weeks ago. Uh, yeah, it was it was really really sudden. I feel like I, I, I you know, it's weird for me to announce things on social media. I just don't think I'm, I'm that much of a person to like <laughs> announce anything. Um, but we made a decision to move up a month ago, and um, it was basically our order was coming in um, our huge fabric delivery and we was like okay so this is the date we have to be in by the new studio and we worked towards that so it was the 4th of July we had to be in. (laughs) Wow so you just had a month to sort it all out. Yeah it was um, mostly my husband who did it I'm not even gonna lie (laughs) he he, he can drive firstly I wasn't going up by train Um, it's really expensive actually to go by national rail anyway i'm not going to start that rant but the <laughs> last minute train ticket in england is incredibly expensive it's crazy um but he he was mostly driving up and down he found the i found the studio i was doing all the online stuff so i found the studio that i really loved um he found the house and we made sure it was fully furnished so we, we could move as little as possible because we have our whole studio to move so it was kind of, you know, if we liked it, we just went for it and hope for the best. <laughs> that is brave because you've lived in London forever, haven't you? Yeah, I was born in London. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's weird. It, uh, I've been kind of, it's, when you're in London, you don't really go too much outside of the UK. I feel like if you're born in London, it's not necessarily something and urging you to drive. So a lot of nice places in the UK, you kind of need a car. Yeah. Um, I, so mm-hmm. I've been to Liverpool. My best friend lives there. I've, you know, I've been up and down and we've just been, I fell out of love with London. I don't know if you two kind of like feel the same, especially, I don't know, raising when you was pregnant. Did you, you know, when you get all of those strange people <laughs> talking to you <laughs> and no one is willing to give you a seat on the underground and like people shove you and you're like, maybe, maybe this isn't the best place to be. <laughs> mm. Definitely harder with a child as well. Like, yeah, more yeah. hectic. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, I grew up in London and mm. I did really like, I love growing up in London, but there is a whole thing about um, having to go to church to get into a good school. Um, it's not all the time, but in our area, it's definitely you have to go to church that the priest has like this little he doesn't even remember because people go and come just to get the child into a good school and it's like a a lottery with the schooling system because it's kind of like so overcrowded and so oversubscribed and it's kind of like that's a little battle and then just trying to get a property 
in itself. You have to be like a millionaire just to get like a decent house with a garden. And I was like, you know, uh, mate, you know, there's other parts of England. (laughs) Um, Liverpool has a port as well. It has a working port. Um, So it all kind of like just added up to if we don't like it, we can always come back. (laughs) But you made, so from deciding to go to actually moving was a month. Well, because we've been speaking about moving for quite a while, um, but it was deciding where and actually, you know, I'm quite flexible because really I just, I do the business and look after Olimi, but Frank has, um, I was going to call it a proper job, but (laughs) he has a job um, (laughs) um, in London and he didn't really want to leave it. He loves his job, um, but coronavirus came and he can now work completely um remotely and I think a lot of people I've spoken to like uh, they're thinking about moving out because it's now such a different kind of work environment you now can ask to work from home and it is a legitimate choice Mm. so we was like okay the coronavirus brought so much stress but this is something that can come out of it that we can train kind of make our life a bit easier it's exciting yeah, like we were like, I was like, oh, I know, you know when um, all of a sudden you have to leave somewhere and all of a sudden, like, it feels fresher, the air feels fresher, the people aren't across. <laughs> the air <laughs> isn't fresh. <laughs> I thought all museums I never really visit, <laughs> like, they won't be, like, there anymore. And it was kind of like, it's been like two weeks thinking, I'm leaving London. Like, you know that tired of London, tired of there? Uh, tired, tired of London, tired of life, that whole thing. And I was like, Am I tired of life? <laughs> <This year. laughs> yeah. But it's been a good move. Everyone's really friendly here. Have um, you met anyone weird, you know, people... from have you met anyone from the sewing world yet? Yes, I have, I have. It was amazing. Um like anywhere you go, really, I think you can just reach out on, on Instagram and they'll be like, Yes, let's meet up. But I've met up with Sally. Um she's over up at Modista Sews. Um, she, I'm sure it's Medista Sews or Medista Sewing. It's a French thing, so, <laughs> so I hope I'm saying that right. Um, and she's been really lovely. Um, it's been amazing knowing that once coronavirus is over as well, I can meet up lots lots of more people because people have reached out. It's just trying to meet. And you've got to come back down here soon. Oh, I have to. Like My mum lives down in London still. So she's like, um, she's like, you have to come back. <laughs> like, <laughs> I want to see my grandson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not even for me. It's for um, Olimi, my son. She's like, you know, you can drop him off. <laughs> <laughs> Go away again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So for people who are new to hearing about pigeon wishes, could you tell us, firstly, what the name? <laughs> Where did the name pigeon wishes come from? And maybe a little bit about how you got into sewing. Um, oh, gosh, you know what? That name, you know, I can say I was a teenager when I thought of that name and blame <laughs> it on that. Um, it was a name for like a blog I wanted to start that I never got around to when I was a teenager, just about secondhand shops, arts and crafts. And 
I don't know, more, more of a kind of like lifestyle blog. <laughs> um, it came from like my favorite animal, pigeons. <laughs> and um, a blog I really, really love is a Wish, Wish, Wish. Um, that carry, it's a very popular lifestyle blog. So I mushed those together and I was like, I'm going to start a lifestyle blog. Um, and that never happened. <laughs> but I had this name in my head for a blog. And when I started sewing, I started sewing when I had, you know, graduated from university. I did like a year teaching abroad and I was like back in real unemployed life. <laughs> I'm a bit depressed a bit like what what am I going to do what am I going to do um and I got a job as a teaching assistant um and it was like the most low-paid job which was fine because I quite like I quite like I like kids (laughs) I like working with kids um but it was a really really uh, low motivating school environment like the management was awful like people really didn't care because I was a temp um, and it was, it was a bad environment to be in. And I was like, I was coming home every day, miserable. And I was like, I, what, what am I going to do with my life? And then it like Saturday was like, like, whoa, it's Saturday. And then it will come to Sunday. And I'm like, oh, I have to go back to work on Monday. Um, so I wanted to get out of that cycle of just like going to work, being miserable, coming home, watching TV, being less miserable. <laughs> um, and yeah. And I wanted to do watercolour, actually, watercolour painting. And my friend was like, that's not you. <laughs> <laughs> what are you thinking about? Like, you will, you would hate that. Um, you're not patient enough. Um, I don't think you'd even like the pictures you draw, <laughs> what you're going to do with them. Um, she was like, just do dressmaking. Just do that. Do some sewing. I think that's more you. So I did start, and I started with by Han London and I think it was their very first patterns and you mentioned it when you can buy them at um, Anthropology mm-hmm. because I was still super intimidated by any kind of fabric shop like I, I I think I went into one very very early into sewing and it was just like completely overwhelming because you know you don't really think about how your clothes are made when you buy clothes it's such a new kind of like feel so it was like all of the zips the fabric the the this so I was like I have to leave <laughs> I have to leave so yeah so I went to anthropology got a sewing pattern that was by hand London made the worst Charlotte skirt imaginable I didn't know about zipper fit feet like I put in that zipper like, with a normal foot <laughs> wonder it like it was it was a you need an invisible zipper and I was like why is this not working <laughs> like, <laughs> like why what is going on? Is it me? Yeah, it was. <laughs> um, and then I just fell in love with it. I, I just fell slowly, you kind of like, you fall in love with the bloggers, I think. That's what I really fell in love with, the community behind it. I was like reading so many blogs and seeing everything that they made. And I was just like, I just want to get to that level and be able to, to make myself something beautiful. That's how I started. <laughs> when was that? That was 2014, yeah. Quite a while. Yeah. So then when did you decide to actually start the business? That was, oh, that was, I would say, fairly 2018, I would say. Um, I was a bit reluctant to kind of make a hobby into a job. And I was kind of like trying to 
kind of maybe push a bit more into I don't know make should I be a social worker should I be a teacher like that was kind of like what I'd always been leading up to that kind of job um, that kind of um, experience but it was just it just wasn't it just wasn't working um, and then I had a big operation on my shoulder and I didn't use my right hand for like six months um, and it was got me into place like really thinking about what I actually wanted to do in the future and it was my husband actually and I think lots of people say this <laughs> it's my husband who was like just start a business and I was like yeah but but what <laughs> like, I was just like what can I do um and I was thinking oh can I can I like make clothes myself and could I be a tailor but um actually my uh my injury of my shoulder means that, that amount of hand sewing is like it's just not good for me um so I was like no let me not do that and I was in China and I was like trying to think what can I do like I didn't want it to do anything with sewing I was like you know my hobby is my hobby let me try and think of something else um and then I went into a fabric market and I found the most amazing fabric ever (laughs) I was like Frank I need to buy this fabric and he was like yeah buy it buy 100 meters more and sell it (laughs) (laughs) I was like I was like oh I I don't think so (laughs) so I came back with like only like two meters for myself and he was like Megan um just buy the fabric um and sell it and see how it goes and it went really well it went really well so that was like my kind of like first inkling that actually maybe having sewing as a job is not bad. <laughs> so you but literally kind of being in the sewing interesting. So so that was literally just one fabric. It was so we bought um, five actually five different prints, and I not spoken to anyone else who'd run a fabric fabric shop, and I just assumed that they would buy it in like a hundred meters. I don't know why. No, <laughs> 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 you don't. Um, <laughs> But I was like, yeah, they must buy a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> we bought, it was, so the print is actually around quite a lot. It's that lemon print, you know, that Dolce & Gabbana um, tablecloth lemon print. So I got that um, in the white background, the blue background and the black background. And I got some banana prints and I got a more, actually six prints and then a more cutesy print. Um, and it just went so well. And actually, the really popular prints, they did they did sell, like the 100 metres did sell. Um, and if you, like you guys know, when you sell fabric, a lot of it is processing orders. And you just spend hours upon hours, like you wake up and you just process orders. And it's not glamorous. <laughs> like, it's like, like the glamour of running a fabric shop kind of like quickly dulled and I love seeing people make things with the fabric and I loved being able to you know supply people with fabric that they wanted that you know wasn't necessarily available because I think the fabric did so well well I know the fabric did so well because I was the only person at that time who had access to the fabric because of the way I sourced fabric I didn't go through a normal wholesaler I found the fabric myself and you know went with it and I was getting just processing orders and I was thinking, what do I actually want with this business? You know, I, it was, I didn't have any time to sew. 
I was actually not enjoying turning my personal sewing account into a business account. Um, I was so stressed out if like someone just would leave me a bad review or, you know, if I, because I feel like friends, you know, it feels like your friends, you're selling to your friends and it's a bit kind of like a weird kind of like, what if someone like complains or they don't feel like they can complain? And I was like, oh, I'd been a sewing blogger for such a long time. And I was kind of like struggling with, what do I really, is this what I really want? And that's when I thought about doing wholesale because it, it just left me the kind of like what I really love to do, which was sourcing fabric that no one else can get. Traveling, I love travel. That's another thing. I was like, if I have my shop, like I wouldn't be able to just like go abroad for a month, which mm-hmm. I got really used to doing. Like I, that's always been something I love to do. I like to be like, go away for a month, travel or six weeks even. And you can't have do, do that with a shop unless you have such a huge turnover, you can employ someone. And then do I really want to employ someone? Am I really a good boss? <laughs> I, I didn't want to find out. <laughs> um, so, you know, I sat down with it and really thought about what I wanted to turn the business into. And then I got pregnant. And then that kind of like made me stop. I had, I had the worst pregnancy. I hated my pregnancy. Um, and then... Uh, yeah, and then I, I was like, let's just do it full, full on. Like after I had a limit, it was like life seemed more intense because I had a person to provide for. <laughs> and I was like, let's. I want him to see me kind of like happy and doing something that I really, really loved, and kind of like even you know just trying to live a dream. And I've just thought I do everything that I can to have um, a wholesale shop and try and make it work. So that was in 2018, and actually preparing for it took until 2019. And we were doing some test trading and just like seeing how it goes, um, running it without a fabric rolling machine the worst idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, the worst idea. And I feel like now we are a year and a half in. And I feel like it's, I feel like it's stable-ish. That's quick to get to that point. I think so, yeah. It's impressive. Uh, I don't know. I I didn't really celebrate the one-year mark because I was like, oh, I haven't achieved enough. And I was, you know, the one year, like I didn't even put it on like Instagram or something. I was like, oh. (laughs) Mm. I don't feel like I've done enough, but. Uh, looking back, I'm like, no, actually, you know, I, we survived Brexit, we're surviving coronavirus, um, we're, we're growing it, and it, it's growing, and it's, you know, it's it's a steady growth, it's not like, you know. That's what you want, like though. Exploding overnight, but it's it's a nice, steady growth. Yeah. And to be, to have found what you're going to do, and know that it's working, and then you can slowly grow that, that's really quick to get to that. Like yeah. Our business was like pinging around the place for like yeah. three years. Like at least three years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, weird. It's, it's a strange one because you always, like obviously like I, even I don't share like the worst things on, on social media. And, and you know other businesses don't do that. Um, I was telling someone actually when we got the, um, the rolling machine, it couldn't fit through the door. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
my gosh. Like what like we was literally like it was a week <laughs> of sheer panic. And I was like, I can't I can't post like I can't post this. Like, I was gonna do a funny kind of like, oh it can't fit through the door. <laughs> Wait, what did you so it sat outside the door for a week? It was outside the door, like we we were there, like we got loads of like um because it was raining as well. I can't I forget, I think this is in April the machine came. Or whatever month it was, it was raining consistently. So we went and got the tarpaul, got like two, three tarpauls, we had to tarpaul it. I was like there like a manic woman, like bubble wrapping it. And it was like the only solace was that no one could steal it. um, This was so heavy. I, and it was just out there for a week and I was like so what are we gonna do um but yeah like those are the things you don't see <laughs> um, so I feel like it, in in a, like a business year it's like a human life's 10 years because of like all the ups and downs um <laughs> that you go through but then on Instagram, you're kind of like, and we've done this, and it's amazing, and it's working. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely highlight real. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you, and you got it inside in the end, or did you have to move office? <laughs> Smash the door down. <laughs> um, so you know, like, um, London is quite expensive for um, office space. So what we had was um, like an abandoned old school building. And this is why it couldn't fit through the door because it was like a really old building. And on the first floor, there's people living underneath and we we're on the second floor. So we were just like, they're just going to have to live with a rolling machine. It's because the hallway is really big because it used to be a school. We're just like, they're going to have to deal with it. Did you actually roll the fabric in their corridor? <laughs> door either so we got an electrician and um and the people who we rent our, our rented our building from are really great and and they're like a charity that wants to bring more creative things back into central london so they were used to putting machines apart and fitting it into old buildings so they actually really helped us. Oh, so lucky. they did all of that and then we had to take it apart and then put it back together again in the roof did you have to take it apart to move it up to liverpool yeah oh my god <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah, good times. <laughs> How has the office space in Liverpool compared to what you were in in London? It is a complete dream. It's, it's amazing. Um, oh, gosh, we were, call, we were calling um, our old place the pigeonhole, and, like, that was a little bit because of how dark and grim it was. <laughs> like, we like we tried our best to like uh, make it really nice, but it was it was an abandoned building. And the people who were in the room before us were um, what were they again? They they were all kind of builders, so there was like sawdust everywhere. It was like they really kind of like wrecked the room, um, and it was just dark and the stairs was a problem and now it's twice the size it's in actual industrial complex so when we get deliveries like we just open these big doors and it just comes in and it was just like the best I was like Frank we've made it okay this is <laughs> this, this, this is this is the life like it, it's amazing it's so much better it's so much better we have um business neighbors as well which is kind of nice because before it was, you know, kind of like not 
they weren't doing businesses as a full-time job but now we have kind of a, like a little community of businesses it's absolutely amazing I love it there is an ant family that live outside of our fire door but they're all right they can, stay. <laughs> <laughs> they, can stay. <laughs> they can stay that's the least of our problems <laughs> I'm guessing it's much cheaper as well. Is the rent cheaper? Oh, the, the rent is cheaper. Um, everything is cheaper. I, I'm struggling to find a thing that would be more expensive. Um, it's just like, like, come on, let's start the revolution. Okay? All move up. Let's, move up. Let, let's start it. It's cheaper up here. Okay? <laughs> you can deal with the rain. Everything, everything is just so much easier. And I can't drive. So um, I chose uh, Liverpool has really great um, buses services and I live near a train station as well that I can go into the centre. Um, so yeah, the, the studio that we're renting is pretty much the same price as the one we, did, we had in London. But it's twice the size. Um, we have our own toilet. Whoop, whoop. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we have our own toilet, no stairs, anything. We have our own sink. Um, there's so much natural light. It's, it's honestly, did I say we call it the Pigeon Palace? The Pigeon Palace, you've gone oh, up. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's no longer the Pigeon Hole, it is the Pigeon Palace. <laughs> we are living like kings, you know. <laughs> and you're fully set up and working now from there. Uh, so we had a slight problem with the machine because, again, we had to take it apart. <laughs> <laughs> the folder. Take Can you down. explain what the machine does, just in case anyone doesn't know? Yeah. Can you explain what it does? So the rolling machine, um, so, again, this is another, like, learning process <laughs> for our business, is uh, you uh, most fabric shops, they, they like to have their fabric on a bolting board, which is it rolled in half and, and put onto a board and what you'll most likely see. And that, that machine basically does that. It just puts the fabric onto a bolting board um, and it makes it really quick and easy for us because we usually get the fabric in rolls in, you know, up to 100 metres and it lets us put it into 50 metre increments for the shops. So, yeah, we try to do that by hand didn't work <laughs> I don't even know how you would start I know rolling fabric is so horrible and folding it as well like you couldn't get it neat it'd be diff impossible it, it just takes I think it's the time aspect for me mm. it's like it's it's you need such a large amount of space because you need to roll a lot of it out I mean but it was like one order I remember when we didn't have the machine and, you know, you put on some music and you're just there for hours and hours. And it's like, there has to be an easier way. <laughs> and there is. <laughs> it's just a lot of money. <laughs> and at Pigeon Wishes, who, who is it? Is it you do the bulk of the work? Um, gosh, you know what? I feel like in a business, you need someone who's more easygoing <laughs> and someone who's more um, kind of like, no, not easygoing. You have to have someone more creative or someone more practical. And I would say we split up the tasks like that. So I do the social media, the, the kind of like the networking, the, you know, kind of picking the fabric and 
those kind of roles um, and kind of seeing where we want to be. And Frank is more the accounting software, the, um, you know, documenting how much, you know, all the Excel stuff, basically, Frank does. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, everything else I do. Uh, so that's how we kind of split it up. Frank sometimes chooses the fabric, though, actually, now. He's gotten involved in that. Um, re- reluctantly on my part. <laughs> Some fabric he's like, go buy. I'm not like, <laughs> we'll, see. we'll get 30 metres and see how it goes. <laughs> and how often are you sourcing fabric? So it's kind of stopped for us. We source all of our fabric from China. Um, it's a place we go to once or twice a year anyway because Frank is from China his family lived there and it's it's just a country that you would feel really comfortable in and we can maneuver um in quite comfortably but because of coronavirus he was supposed to go back and source a bit more because we we like to source dead stock fabric um we do stock overstock fabric as well but that's really while we're still trying to find a big network of dead stock suppliers. So with dead stock, it's, it's something that, I mean, I think you guys know, it, it's not advertised. Re- true dead stock is not really advertised. It's kind of something you have to go and find who has it, you know, um, where they putting the dead stock fabric. Um, so we, we have, like, the people in who collect the dead stock fabric and we buy from but really we want to have a large selection because it's it's just not really it's something that is not organized in a way like dead stock fabric it's not all it's not like here is all the dead stock fabric if you want to buy dead stock fabric go here mm-hmm. it's you have to go to person to person factory to factory where do they dump i don't want to say dump but it is kind of like that how we get our dead stock fabric is they literally, the factories just put it in the yard and it's like, we're selling it, who wants it? So we need to know the people who are collecting that dead stock fabric. And there's not just one person who collects it all. There's multiple different people. Um, and China is so big and there's so much fabric manufacturing. So we try to go around the country to um, see who has the best stuff and... It's interesting because we found there's the Chinese market. So obviously, Chinese uh, in China they produce fabric for their own market as well. So that fabric is kind of a bit more cutesy. Um, it has its own style. So we also want to look for kind of Western fabric, which is again different. And it's hard to kind of like centralize finding all of that desktop fabric. So. I've said desktop fabric a lot. <laughs> um, but we, Frank was supposed to go back. He can't go back. Um, so at the moment, we are really going to launch our own collection of fabrics and print our own fabric, which is a bit exciting, yeah, a cool. bit kind of a bit of a deviation from, <laughs> from the plan. But we found some, well, I, I started to follow a lot of designers, um, surface print designers uh in the uk and their stuff is amazing it's very amazing and it's hard in their industry because there's a lot of copying there's a lot of their designs going online and then it gets kind of like modified slightly and then someone else uses it without paying them um 
And I think fashion is also for the future as well. Dead stock is, is absolutely where my heart lies, but there's all these designers who, who want to produce their own stuff and, and it shouldn't just be in fast fashion. You know, when we have such a, a brilliant community of dressmakers and if, if all they want is their, their fabric to be out there and to be created in something, there's like a whole group of people who, who want that as well and want fabric and designers and everyone in the chain to be um, paid enough. And I think sometimes you forget everyone in the chain of, of producing a garment. So I, I would never... I don't know, like I look for great prints, but it's never in my mind who has designed that. Are they getting paid? Are they getting compensated? Um, so for the future, and we're going to do it in a kind of limited amount because I don't want to produce too much. Um, moving forward a bit, it's going to be about collaborating with surface print designers and, you know, celebrating their talent and, and making sure they get paid and have their stuff available for people who appreciate it. That's really exciting. Yeah. When are they yeah. going to launch? So we're still trying to find um, a, a factory and that can kind of comply with, with, with what we want and want to create. I mean, we don't want it to be just produced and, and we forget all of our values about, you know, the fabric type and it, it being um, biodegradable and the dyes being as, as natural as they can be. So we're still it, it's it's still a, a process to find that, and again we would have tried to do that in China because there are actories in China that you know they they do do some great work, but again you, you have to go and find it there. So hopefully um, by the end of this year, we're giving it like September, we would have found somewhere. But it's something that we're not going to compromise on, so we're not giving it a time frame. We're just saying. Hopefully, hopefully by the end of this year. <laughs> <Hopefully>. <laughs> you probably all know that we are huge fans of faff machines. We use them in all of our workshops and when we're sewing at home on our boats. So what do we love most about them? They're super smooth to sew on with a sleek design and their iconic IDT system, essentially a built-in walking foot, makes handling all types of fabric a dream. We honestly couldn't sew what we do without them. Get in touch with us if you fancy a machine upgrade or if you'd like to know more about any of the models. So what have been like your main business lows we'll start with? Um, I I think mostly the lows stem from inexperience of running. As I, as I said, like um, my background is like I did a degree in kind of a childcare and everything I've done is around teaching or, you know, um, play work. So stepping into being a businesswoman was like an adjustment. Um and I think my my biggest problem is maybe pressurizing myself too much, and that's when I that's when I really feel like the biggest lows are like because apart from the, like the folding machine not fitting into the building, <laughs> um, everything else has been kind of you know I think maybe things I've put on myself with expectations. The biggest lows would be. Um, when I approach people and I did it in such a way that was so kind of like um, unpolished. So I did a course, um, well, uh, she, she's called Teresa. She's like the small business community and she teaches a course in wholesale. And I think I, sometimes I was a bit too um, eager and not professional enough. 
And like, I feel my low is like when I look back at that and kind of like kick myself and I'm just like on Instagram, like, hey, do you want some fabric? Got some lovely prints. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's, there's kind of like a, a you know, a, a different way. <laughs> um, also, you know, Brexit was also quite a low. It wasn't really a low for the business. Um, but coronavirus has really affected the business. Uh, we were supposed to get this delivery in January, Whoa. and it's only turned up, yeah. Like, you can imagine China shut down, and it was like a proper, proper lockdown for three months. Um, then when things were starting back up again, we wanted to buy some more fabric, and um, the pound, oh my gosh, the pound. Mm. Um, the pound plummeted. Um, and me and Frank, we didn't think, to put money in China, like in UN, to like, in case the pound dropped. <laughs> That's why we saw. So we were just watching the pound go down, and we we're like, oh, no. I know. So it means we can like afford to buy less um, fabric. So that was a real kind of uh, a low. Other than that, it's not really been too many low lows. Like not meeting targets is kind of a low, but um, it's like we still are not like our targets are kind of like up in the air because we don't have anything to compare it to. They're kind of like estimates. But, yeah, the <laughs> estimates. Targets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. Uh, the highs, I feel like I remember the um, uh, like I remember the highs a lot more. Yeah, talk about that. I'm <laughs> just <laughs> that kind of person. <laughs> um, I think um, one of the biggest highs was um, uh, the first fabric shop I ever stepped into because I worked um, near it was the Village Haberdashery, and um, I remember meeting Annie and walking into the shop, and I was just like. Like, this is too much fabric. I don't know what to do. I, I just don't know. I just don't. And I came in and she was really, really lovely. And she was like, oh, I'm just about, before she was about to cut the fabric, I was like, no, no. <laughs> I've changed my mind. <laughs> I, I can't commit to buying fabric. Um, and but she was one of my first customers in the wholesale business. So it kind of felt like really full circle that it was like this was once a place that I was like I just walked in and I felt so out of my comfort zone and now it's like I'm supplying the fabric so that was like a really kind of like I don't know a moment for the diaries <laughs> um what else has been good yeah and launching some buttons like doing something under um my own kind of like brand um I, I just love sourcing I love sourcing things like it's one of the biggest joys and finding these buttons and kind of like producing them. And I sold, I sold them not as wholesale. So having kind of like that, cu that customer kind of interaction again is actually really, really lovely. It's lovely when they tag kind of like me. Um, and I feel like wholesale is like being a grandparent. And it's like, it's really lovely because you get all of the perks. Um, because, you know, uh, you know, packing so much quicker and, you know, you don't really have to do as much marketing and, and stuff like that. So you're like, you're just like, yeah, you know, I was there. You know, I was part of this. But, you know, the kids always love the parents more. <laughs> I'm tired. 
like the more, more but, but you know having having people go like oh Megan thank you and I'm like oh, thank you um that was <laughs> that was really really lovely um yeah and just having um and now having proper relationships with lots of different shops I absolutely adore all of the shops who shop with us, well, of course they do. <laughs> but um, it's so, so nice discovering new shops and working with all these amazing women who are like making their dreams come true. And I absolutely love being a part of that. Um, I love trying I love trying to match fabric to shop as well. Like when I buy a fabric, I'm like, oh, I think I think this shop is going to love this one. And I, I, do, I do love that. I, yeah, that's what I like. I'm, I'm, I really like working with people. <laughs> like I think that's why processing orders was like, not for me um because I I do like that kind of like in person and I try and meet all the shops in person as much as I can um I work with Frank a lot um and uh, you know we have fun together (laughs) sometimes (laughs) Sometimes, (laughs) I feel yeah he's a really actually great person to work so he works three days a week um and uh, right now we don't have childcare, so we're not so much working together as like someone's doing childcare, someone's working. But um, when we are together, it's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, we do have our little like, um, yeah, you know, when you married and run a business together, sometimes <laughs> life can get a bit blurred. Um, but he's a really nice co-worker. To have. <laughs> Yeah. I've always thought but if if we could source fabric you like we've met a lot of fabric wholesale like yes. sales people in the UK you must be like a breath of fresh air amongst the rest of them <laughs> <laughs> to buy from someone else in the community you're the only person who's done that I mean I feel like that's um that's I can understand why now after doing all the work <laughs> We in fact, we're like, well, you know, why has no one done this before? <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> I feel like we oversimplify things a lot and then, like, we get in too deep. But, yeah, it's, re- it's really, really lovely um, to kind of um, be that person in the community that kind of understands the shops. I, I don't – I'm not in contact with any other wholesaler. And because I never actually – went to wholesalers to do my business I've never had any contact with them but I do hear it, it's, it's a different world <laughs> out there yes <laughs> um so what are your future plans for the business or is it all fluid um I think uh, the future plans for me is to collaborate more with people um I think it's it's still a bit so right now like, I feel like I'm still not paying myself. Like, I, I don't earn enough from the from the business to pay myself. So that's still really a target to kind of, like, get enough sales so it, it's really kind of, like, sustainable for, for me <laughs> to live. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, the kind of, like, loftier kind of plans is to um, maybe collaborate with some more surface print designers. Um, I, I really, really love it when um, independent designers um and pattern companies use fabrics that we saw so i don't think it's really um a, a kind of like a business goal but i just i just want to see our fabric used more um i mostly um stock 
UK um, shops, but I really want to branch out and, and be in different countries. Um, so, yeah, it, it being a presence in uh, stores, and I always say my target is kind of like a Tilly Brunette or, or Lady McElroy, but like more with dead stock. Like I, I don't want that amount of um, my own printed stuff, but really being kind of a brand people like love to use and kind of like can reference and be like, oh, it's pigeon wishes. I'll be like, yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> um, and, and, and that, that, that's kind of like the goals for now. And we, we do want to, we have supplied some fashion um, shops and um, so not, not part of the dressmaking community. And I think I need to kind of like go more into that because there's a list of uh, UK um, made sellers, like small batch things that I, I would really love to supply the fabrics. So I feel like I have like this whole, um, what do you star it? You saved, saved list of like shops and people I would love to stock and hopefully um, I'll get there. <laughs> sewing mean to you Megan you know sewing is now kind of like just part of my life it's such a big chunk of my life it's kind of like it started off as a therapy to kind of like get me out of a, you know a bad kind of state of mind and I think while it's kind of still stayed like that it's now just something that I just think about all the time I feel like I live and breathe sewing um, <laughs> I always like check clothes to see how they're made I always think about the fabric type I mean it's just now just like a massive chunk of my life and a massive part of me I don't think I can like distinguish myself <laughs> and sewing anymore like with like with merged <laughs> and um yeah I just it's just such a massive part of my life um that I'm, I'm so grateful to be a part of um online and just like at home and in my studio um yeah, I can't feel like, I always think, like, it's the Heathcliff to my cafe. It's like, we are one. Thank <laughs> <laughs> oh, God you didn't know, start. Like... <laughs> Imagine if you'd started watercolours. <laughs> Where would you be now? <laughs> Thank <laughs> that friend. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I don't even know. Like, I don't know where watercolours came from. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even draw. Like the foundation isn't even there. Like you have to draw, I'm sure, to be able to watercolor. <laughs> I'm sure I would have given it up. Like I have, like I have a sea of forgotten crafts. Me too. Like um, <laughs> like, like I, I, I call myself like it's not it's not like a Molly makes crafter. So you know the little kits that came you know and that was like enough like you don't really scratch the surface too much it's like a, a nice like little activity and then you kind of put, put it aside and you move on um but you know now I'm in so like I'm deeply invested like I you know I know all the lingo I know the jargon you know tell me about Lady McElroy I know who they are tell me about the sewing bee you know I've met people from the sewing bee okay <laughs> I've made it in life <laughs> Like I can see, like I can see any celebrity on the street and be like, "Who are you?" And you know, Tilly and Tilly can turn the buttons, can walk in the room, and I melt. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you 
it's just, you know, it's massive for me. <laughs> so the final question we ask everybody is, what was the last thing you sewed? Oh, so the last thing I sewed was um, from the new Tallulah Buttons book, and it was the Sophia trousers. Sophia? Yes, it's a Sophia. Sophia. Sorry. Oh, yeah, Sophia. Yeah, I have seen those, yeah. <laughs> Where are your faces like, you're almost there, you're almost right. <laughs> 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 yeah, the Sophia trousers. Nice. Uh, do you know what? It, it didn't, I need to make another a twirl, an actual twirl, because um, I didn't do a bum adjustment um, because it had an elasticated waist, like part of it's elasticated, but I do need, I do need one. I always do. Trousers are one of those things yeah. that you are more likely to need to adjust, yeah. Yeah, so um, it was a bit of a sewing fail, but they are really great trousers. So, um, yeah, I'm going to give it another go. Do you only sew in your own fabrics now? No, I'm not, like, honestly, I'm the worst. Like, it's a real, it's a real, um, I'm not going to call it an addiction. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's, uh, I love fabric, you know. I I have enough and I will only buy very... um, I'm very choosy about where I buy an ad because I have so much. But if I see a really great fabric that I wouldn't be able to source, I buy it. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming on. You've been oh, a lovely guest. thank you so much for having me. <laughs> and good luck setting nice. everything up, home and business, in Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> I, thank you. Like, we're almost there. It's like, it's, it's, it's really a great move. We have more space and, like... I can say hello to people on the streets and it's not weird. You get weird looks. (laughs) (laughs) They like it. I like it. Thank thank you. you. See you soon. I'll see you soon. Bye.